Anybody ever been on a seesaw? Yeah. You might call it teeter-totter. I didn't know this. I had to learn it for Spanish service. In Spanish, they call it un balancín. I learned that one. Well, maybe not in Cuba. What do they call it in Cuba? Cachumbame. Ya tu sabes. I'm going to go ride the cachumbame. That sounds a little weird. They told me in Puerto Rico, they call it el sube baja. You know, a teeter-totter, a seesaw, it can be exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. I mean, have you ever caught yourself on the wrong end of the seesaw? Let me tell you what I mean about that. You know, you're on the seesaw, you're all good, and then somebody that's a little heavier than you doesn't sit on it, they plop on it, and you're like, whoo, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, and, and there ain't no coming back. There's no coming back down until somebody, like, you're like, help, and somebody brings it down. I, I have three kids, right? I have Abigail, Alexandra, and Samantha, and Abigail and, and, and Alexandra, they're two and a half years apart, and I remember we were at the park one day, and um, they, they got on a seesaw, and Abigail was, you know, a little heavier than Alexandra at that time because she's, you know, a little bigger or whatever. And, um, and, and, and Alexandra sits on it and she's like, Abigail, Abigail, come to the seesaw with me. And Alexandra, and Abigail's like, oh yeah. And she jumps on it. Alexandra's like, Whoo! and then she's like looking and there ain't no coming down. And she's like, daddy, daddy, dad, dad. And, and I go over there and I like grab her. I was like, Abigail, start, you, you, you gotta get, we gotta get your sister back, right? It can be exhilarating, it can be terrifying, it's up and down and a constant up and down. And you know what happens with a seesaw? It doesn't matter how many times you go up and down. You don't go anywhere, do you? You don't go anywhere. Up and down, this one's sophisticated, it spins. But it's an up and down thing, all right? I almost tripped in first service, I was staying away from it. Many of us are living our spiritual walk with God on a spiritual seesaw. We are going up and down. Up and down. And there's no end in sight of the up and down. And we need to make a choice. And the choice that we need to make is this. It's, and we're going to hit it. We're gonna, and we're going to hammer this home. But we need to get off the seesaw. We need to get off the seesaw to stop the up and down. See, the children of Israel did this constantly. Can, can we go to the Word of God? Let's go to J Joshua chapter 24 for a minute. Joshua chapter 24. In Joshua chapter 24, he is recounting to the children of Israel all that God did for them, right? And he's making a covenant with them. He's telling them. And then in verse number 14, he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I tell you a godly principle? It's this. Your relationship with God 
cannot be contingent on anyone else or circumstance. You need to get off the seesaw. Your relationship with him, it can't be dependent on anyone else. You got to get off the seesaw. So that's what Joshua was saying to the children of Israel that day. Hey, I'm getting old. I'm going to go rest with my father. And you all need to make a choice what you're going to do. But I'm getting off the seesaw. And not just me. Me and my house are going to serve the Lord. If you flip your Bible over two pages to Joshua, I mean, sorry, to Judges chapter 2. Might be two pages, four pages, give or take. In verse number seven of Joshua two, or sorry, Judges two, it says, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old and they buried him with the border, within the border of his inheritance in Timna Harris in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. And then verse 11, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. I mean, there's so much going on here right now. Joshua had made the decision, I'm getting off the seesaw. But somewhere down the line, there was an error. There was a mistake. They didn't tell the next generation about what God had done. So you know what the next generation did? They saw the seesaw and they said, it looks like fun. And they got back on it. See, when the Bible talks about training up our children in the way of the Lord, did you know that training requires work? I mean, you don't get better at anything that you don't put time into. I mean, you may be a gifted athlete, but unless you practice, people who may or not be as gifted as you are going to put in the work and pass you. There has to be effort. There has to be practice. And as parents, it's a responsibility to instruct. But I want to take it a step further because, again, what do we talk about? We're called to a higher standard. It's not just as a parent. Every single one of us have people in our circle of influence. Every single one of us have people that we can influence, whether it be a coworker or a friend, a colleague, someone at the supermarket. I mean, I make friends anywhere I go. I just, it's my personality. It's, it's who I am. Abigail is just like me, which is when she gets a check mark in conduct or whatever, I'm kind of okay with it. Just don't tell her. Shh, okay. Cause I know she's like her father, right? I, I, we do all of our shopping for church pretty much at Costco. And most of the employees, a lot of the employees have gotten, you know, we're like on first name basis, you know, like, what's up pastor? I'm like, Hey, what's up Raul? You know, whatever. I'm like, I'm in line at Costco the other day. And they like, if, if when you do your tax exempt stuff at Costco, you got to fill out a form every single time. You got to sign this form. The guy saw me and he brought us like, Hey, pastor, look, I got your form for you already. So you're already ready when you get to the register. Like, thanks, bro. Right? Like, I, I you know, I, I'm making friends everywhere we go. I didn't do that. I'm, I'm just getting there. Funny. <laughs> saw some eyes roll at me there, but just kidding. Just kidding. It's okay to laugh at church. It's okay to laugh at church. And so uh, here I'm at Costco, I'm, I'm starting to exert 
upon my influence, right? Like I, I, I'm making it. I walk into the bank and, 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 and the bank guy's like, he's just like, I walk in, he's like, hey, what's up, pastor? Like the other day I did it through the drive-thru and he recognized and he was like, hey, pastor, how's it doing? Let me know. My dad's doing better. Thanks for praying. The guy doesn't come to our church, but we're, 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 that's what we're called to do. But the children of Israel didn't do it. Deuteronomy chapter 6 said that they were supposed to train up their child, to put it before their frontlets, to put it everywhere, that they may see it, that they may know. But it says that when they had a new generation that who forgot about what God had done, they went back to the seesaw. They went back to the up and down. And watch, look, look what it says. If, if we're still, we're still in Josh, in Judges chapter two, go to verse number 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. And they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up ju- judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of their uh, of the judge for the lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them and verse 19 and when it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods in other words they would be up there help 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 god would send the judge deliver them but they wouldn't get off the seesaw so the minute that that judge was no longer there boom back up I'm going to prove it to you. Watch. We're just going to rattle off a bunch of verses here in the book of Judges. Are you ready with me, Stephen? Chapter 3, verse 7. So the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Chapter 3, verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil on the side of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Chapter 4. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, the next one, chapter 6. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Chapter Eight. And so it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Barath their God. Chapter 12. Again, is it, 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 it chapter 12 or 13? I can't remember. There, 13. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the Hannah's Philistines for 40 years. And I could keep going throughout the whole rest of Judges, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and it's always somebody rise up and then they walk back away from God. They were doing a spiritual seesaw. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Elijah, in 1 Kings chapter 18, he actually looks at the people, and this is what he tells us when he goes against the prophets of Baal, he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? Like people, how long Are you going to do this? I mean, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The people stayed quiet. So this is what's happening. We are bringing this mentality into our relationship with God. And we're living in a spiritual, constant seesaw. Up, down, up, down, up, down. And we're not going anywhere. And church, it's time to get off the seesaw. It's time to get off the seesaw. If you go to Hebrews chapter 12, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Go back to verse 1. You know what word stands out for me there? What phrase? It says, let us lay aside. For the sake of today's message, let us get off the seesaw and run the race. Get off the seesaw and run the race. A seesaw has motion. You go up, you go down. You go up, you go down. But it doesn't get you anywhere. We're called to run a race. We're called to get somewhere. So it says, lay aside, put it away. I just talked to you about Elijah, right? In chapter 18 of 1 Kings. If you remember, if you, as you continue to read the story of Elijah, one day he's walking as he's getting older in life and he sees his successor who was gonna be the prophet Elisha, okay? Elijah, Elisha, it gets very confusing and it's okay if you interchange them sometimes. I'll, I got you, I understand, because I do it too. But Elijah is walking by Elisha, who's doing plowing the fields. And he comes by and he gets his mantle and he puts his mantle on him. And Elisha's like, I'm getting called. This is it. This is, this is my awakening, right? It was his moment. It's kind of what Alex just mentioned a few minutes ago before driving off, like, like a few months ago, whatever. God spoke a word. I'm holding on to that. It was his moment. Do you know what Elisha did? Elisha didn't just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to follow God. But if anything goes bad, I'm going to go back to plowing the fields. No, no, no. Elisha got his animal that he was using to plow. I can't remember right now if it was a, a donkey or, or, or a horse or whatever it was. When he got the animal and he took it to the field and he built an altar and he slaughtered it and sacrificed it to God. You know what he did? He got off the seesaw and said, there's no turning back. I'm following God with all that I have. And I'm not going to play the game of up and down and up and down. I'm going to play the game of pursuit God. I'm getting off the seesaw and running the race. I'm getting off the seesaw and running the race. And church, I mean, this message today is very simple, but at the same time is super profound because many, single, many of us, myself included, have areas in our life in which we play the seesaw with. Like we, there's other things we're like, oh yeah, for sure that we can't have that. We can't handle that. We, we need to get rid of that, put it away, get rid of it. But there's other areas that it's like, oh, but it's a memory, right? I mean, did anybody here date anybody else before they got married, right? Like had a previous girlfriend or whatnot, right? I, I, I had a previous girlfriend. Guess what? Not one picture of her exists in any of my possessions. Not one. The minute I got engaged and married my wife, they know turning back. I don't need to see anybody else. I don't need to be reminded of anybody else. They are my past for a reason. I don't need to be friends with them on Facebook. I don't need to be friends with them on Instagram. When they want to follow me, I can say deny. I don't need it. Why? Because I don't need to have access to that seesaw. I got to put it behind me. That's an obvious. That's an obvious. But what about the things that are a little more subtle in our lives? Oh, but it's okay that I still watch that. I'm not hurting anybody. No, but it's okay that I'm still doing this. I, I, I don't, God understands. No, I don't know. What's happening is this, right? You're, 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 you're on the seesaw 
And you're like, woo, I'm doing good. Everything's great. All of a sudden, and all of them, woo, up and down and up and down. And before you know it, you're back in the same place. And then the devil tries to grab you with shame, condemnation. You can't do it. You're not worth it. How, how, how are you going to go to church? How are you, how are you going to stand there and worship? How are you going to do that? But look at everything you did. I mean, you just messed up right before walking into the church. Get off the seesaw and run the race. Because your relationship with God cannot be dependent on someone else or your circumstance. Get off the seesaw and run the race. Get off the seesaw and do something. The book of James talks about a double-minded man. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The book of James also talks about this, and I love it about James. He says, you can't just be a hearer of the word. You need to be a doer of the word. And I would ask you that. When's the last time that you did the word, right? I'm okay with you guys holding me accountable. Ask me. Ask me when you see me. Hey, pastor, did you tell anybody about Jesus this week? Because, man, you know what? There's a lot of pastors out there that are horrible evangelists. They don't tell anybody about Jesus, but they tell the people in the church, hey, invite people to church, tell them about God. And they're horrible at it. You know, like if you're Cuban, you can say something bad about Cubans? I'm a pastor, so I can say it without no shame, all right? There's some pastors that they're not doing their part outside the doors. And you know what the truth is? Every single one of us has a calling from God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it's very difficult to tell people about Jesus if everybody sees you on an up and a down and an up and a down and an up and down. Man, I, I, I remember in high school, we had this young lady that we used to call the light switch. Okay? That was her nickname. That's how we knew her. Because every day was different. It was either on or off, depending on the relationship with the boyfriend, depending on what happened at home, depending on different things. Every single day, this young lady was either on or off, on or off. And when we are living a life on a spiritual seesaw, that's what the world sees. One day we're on, one day we're off. One day we're on, one day we're off. No, no, no. It's okay to be real. It's okay to talk about when you have a fault, when you have a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake and then acknowledge and apologize for it. Did you know that that phrase that the world has that apology is a sign of weakness is a lie? It's not a sign of weakness. Man, I've messed up. I'm afraid to do this because it might, might, but if if I've had to apologize, don't don't do it because there's going to be a lot of hands. But if I've had to apologize to you, I would ask you to raise your hand. There's some of you in here that perhaps I was rude to one day because I was caught up with something or I was in the middle of something. I mean, I'm actually doing it publicly. Pastor Fernie, I'm sorry because last week, You got me in a moment. I was taking one of the kids in the hallway and I turned around and said, not now. And I kept walking. That was rude. I apologize. Quick to apologize. I got faults, man. I'm just striving every day to not go back to my seesaw. And that's my encouragement to you. Get off the seesaw and run your race. Your race, not anybody else's race. See, see, you're not called perhaps to do what I do, and I'm not called to do what you do, but we're all called to do something. 
And if you do what you're called to do, and you do what you're called to do, and you do what you're called to do, and we all do what we're called to do, we're going to win the, the people of, of the world for Christ. Do you know that Miami is the second least churched city in America? Only Seattle, Washington is less. The average in our country, the average, when you take in the lows and the highs, the average is that about 10 to 12% of people go to church. Miami's 4%. We need to get out there and tell people, show people. And you know how we do it? By first going and slaughtering that animal. Get rid of the seesaw. You don't need to be reminded of it. You don't need to have it. You need to get rid of it. Push it away and run your race. Worship team, come up. Run your race. I'm going to say this next statement, but I'm going to preface it with a caveat. I am not in favor of dog racing. Okay, just starting with that. But have you ever seen a greyhound race? When I was a little kid, my dad would take my brothers and I, we, we would go down to the flagger dog track on the, they had a family day that you could take the kids. Uh, and there wasn't any betting. It was like during the practice time. And we would go sometimes and watch it, you know. And if you've ever seen one of these races, you know, they, they get all the dogs in, their, in, in, the, in the starting gates or whatever, and the dogs take off at the sound of the bell. But you know what the dogs are chasing? The dogs are chasing that rabbit on an electrical rabbit. It ain't a real rabbit, guys. People, it's not a real rabbit, okay? It's on a machine. And that rabbit goes, boom, and it's and it's going, and, 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 and it's going, and, and there's somebody moderating it. If it's getting too far away from the dogs, the dogs can't see it as, as much anymore. They slow it down so the dogs catch up, and then they speed it up like they play with it. And they're chasing it. They're running their race. And you know what happens if the rabbit stops? The dog stops. You know what happens if one of the dogs get to the rabbit? And the dogs stop. And the machine goes, bye-bye. Can we go back to Romans? I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Stephen, thank you. My bad, I, I closed my Bible. Watch, watch, watch. Guys, just let this soak in. Therefore, we also, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Again, let us get off the seesaw. And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. And what are we following? Verse 2, looking onto Jesus. Run your race looking onto Jesus. Jesus is going to take you at your pace of race. If you try to stay afloat with my pace of race, you might get winded. Or perhaps you might pass and you get bored. Because we're called to different things. But we are all called to get off the seesaw and run the race. Church, get off the seesaw. Get off the seesaw. Come, can you say that with me? Get off the seesaw.